0: I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Well, hello, everybody. It's, uh, gee, what day is it? It's been so long. It's Sunday, December 9th, 2018. We come to you for the first time in December, nine days after the turn of the month. Because, well, it's been a very busy week with uh, for me with uh, extracurriculars and curriculars and whatnot. And I just haven't got a chance to sit down or stand up in front of my computer and uh, record an episode. And i got to be honest with you, we're, our show's going to have to change a little bit, uh, I think, with the way I, I talk about it. Because we're no longer really... Uh, a lot of the news that I plan to talk about is... Frankly, old news, uh, but there is a lot that I've got planned, so we're going to get right into it uh, in a little bit. I actually want to just say uh, I was able to, this week, upload, because for some reason uh, Apple decided, okay, now we can now we can start publishing episodes, so episode 70 went up, and then a, I think a day later, episode 71 and 72 uh, both went up which was great. I'm finally able to get back on track. It no longer says schedule for update on PauseCADS Connect. It now says active, which is phenomenal. Uh, Hopefully this can go up with some sense of urgency. I guess Apple just must have glitched out for a few weeks. Um, But either way, we appear to be back on schedule, and so what I'm planning for is to have this episode, um, and then I've got a little bit of content already prepared for next week's episode in addition to the week in the NFL um, that's currently taking place Um, either as you're listening to this or maybe it happened yesterday. Um, But we're going to be a little bit behind. Uh, So planning on having that uh, topic that from this week I've saved for next week because I already had so much planned for this week. Um, So I I think I'll get another episode out on Tuesday. Um, I should be freer this week. So hopefully Tuesday, but it wouldn't also wouldn't be the worst thing to get it out a little bit later. But we might have a slightly shorter episode next Tuesday, or this coming Tuesday, um, just because of this whole scenario and how I've got to cram so much into, or try to fit um, perhaps a little less than, than a week's worth of news into one episode. Um, but this intro is already too long. It's going on two and a half minutes. So let's get started. Um, the first topic of the week is one that, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk about too much after this. Um, but I love having it while I was here. College football championship weekend week uh, number fourteen in, in the NCAA, and the first game that was actually like a week and a half ago, so it's kind of old news. But Alabama beating Georgia thirty-five to twenty-eight. Yeah, I had a bunch of game notes for this, but honestly, um, I, I really don't know much to say. I mean, there was questionable decisions made by Georgia with Kirby Smart. Uh, Going for it on fourth uh, and eleven, but this was just a great football game. And the the narrative, the narrative coming into this is uh, as uh, I forgot who says, but it, it was that this was a rematch of the national championship game from last year, and we expect these two SEC heavyweights to battle it out, and we got to see that for sure. Alabama was down 14 and came back to win by scoring three consecutive touchdowns, led by who else um, but Jalen Hurts. Tua tungo the star quarterback for Alabama, who came in in the national championship game because Hurts was struggling, now in the SEC championship game, the biggest game of the year by far uh, coming into this for Alabama. Jalen Hurts has to come in for an injured Tua. Um and just what a rollover. So it really is great to see Jalen Hurts succeed because imagine you're in his position. You you play pretty well all year. I mean people forget he he was not playing too well uh on offense leading up to the national championship game. It wasn't like he had one bad half and Saban subbed him out. I mean and they they lost to Auburn uh, a few weeks before that, twenty-six to fourteen, I believe. Um and Jalen Hurts and that offense had not looked super phenomenal. And so that wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment decision. But either way, you're Jalen Hurts, you're 26-2 and two in your career, and you're in the national championship game. You've waited so long for this. You lost to Clemson last year, and your whole, uh, your whole goal this year was to make it back. And you get there, but then you get subbed out after you have one bad half. Uh, and that's got to be crushing for him. And just the fact that he stayed at Alabama, had... Uh, felt a sense of loyalty, despite he's not obligated to feel any loyalty. I mean, it's not like Alabama's paid him or it's not like they are solely responsible for giving him his big break. He was under no obligation to stay there, and yet he did. He decided not to use his transfer. Uh, and he decided not to sit out. He decided to take one for the team, support Tua the entire time. I mean, there were, despite the quarterback controversy, uh, which came out of skill... There was no other controversy. I mean, Jalen Hurts never publicly badmouthed Tua, and then the same goes the other way. Uh, there was never an issue, and that really shows his character, um, and it's really rewarding to see him do well. Um, and with this game, as the announcer Gary Danielson said, Jalen Hurts will be a legend at Alabama. Um, so, this was a crushing loss for Georgia because. They knew coming in, if you beat Alabama, you are catapulting uh, above Notre Dame for sure, maybe even above Clemson with the, the amount of quality that win is. Um, and to be so close, to know that you were one play away from the making the national championship game a few weeks ago, and now um, you don't even get back to the playoff after having this great year. Um, and their two losses were to Alabama and LSU. It's really disappointing for Jake Fromm, the obviously talented sophomore, but he's going to be coming back his junior year. Um, and that team is still going to be good next year. They should be highly ranked uh, coming off, coming into next year. And the other big championship game from this weekend, or last week, like last weekend, the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, the Red River rematch. But it wasn't really this shootout. Well, the score was still 39 to 27, but it wasn't the same shootout we saw the first time. It wasn't uh, the same shootout that we're used to seeing in the Big 12. And Oklahoma's defense kind of ended up being the story. Because Sam Ellinger, uh, I asked the week before, was he hurt? He was not hurt. I mean, they used him very liberally as far as running the ball um, and allowing him to take hits. Um, But Oklahoma, they forced turnovers, and they made explosive plays. It was a week and a half ago, but I remember this one cornerback blitz with Texas at their own two-yard line. Ellinger drops back, and he has no idea... From the right side, this cornerback is coming straight for him. He's unblocked. Horrible. Um, I guess they they were expecting someone to come, but Ellinger doesn't see him, and he just gets blown up. I was surprised he didn't fumble it when I saw it live. Uh, and then Oklahoma's offense was stifled initially, but they came through. And no matter how much you can hold Oklahoma's offense, they will be able to come through because led by... Kyler Murray, um, and CeeDee Lamb, and and Marquise Brown in that offense. Plus Grant Calcaterra, their tight end, had the game of his life with a one-handed catch for a touchdown, and others. Though I am worried about uh, Marquise Brown got hurt in this game. I haven't checked how he's doing, but he's a big part of their offense, and without him, their explosiveness, some of it is limited, even if he's not 100%. Uh, and then another thing, uh, we're looking at the losing team going into next year. Texas is indeed back. They have the infrastructure there to be good. Uh, they they only lost they only lost a few games this year. Oklahoma, um, I believe, was it West Virginia? I forgot. But Texas will be here uh, for years to come. So then, after those two games, was the college football playoff reveal? And it came out with Alabama at one, surprising absolutely nobody. Clemson at number two, who destroyed Pitt in their championship game. Notre Dame, who was the only idle team out of the top six on the weekend. And then Oklahoma, who uh, snuck in in front of Georgia and Ohio State. So... With with yesterday's, or not yesterday, I wrote yesterday in my notes, with uh, the results from last Saturday, uh, this more or less was a foregone conclusion, I believe. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit on ESPN was trying to say Georgia should be number four, Georgia should be number four, but I mean, knowing the committee and knowing what the committee prioritizes, which is winning, right? Oklahoma was going to leapfrog Georgia because they won more convincingly than Ohio State, were already ranked higher than Ohio State, and Georgia lost. So I don't think there was a question about that. Um, and I, I talked about with this, some, this with some friends, but like the committee really put themselves in a bind by having Oklahoma in front of Ohio State all year um, and not ever flipping the two because uh, that that meant that no matter how good you thought Ohio State was, this this is the same committee voting week to week. So... Ultimately, there was no, nothing from co- conference week at championship weekend that showed you that Ohio State was going to leapfrog Oklahoma. Because as much as we like to say, look, this is a like look at your entire resume thing, it is a week-to-week poll. And, and when you put Oklahoma in front of Ohio State the week before, you have to have Ohio State be more impressive than Oklahoma to leapfrog them. And that ultimately didn't happen. Really, the only thing interesting for me, thing for me that came out of the rankings was putting Georgia in front of Ohio State, because I I highly doubt that anyone actually was going to put Georgia in their top four. Even though Herbie, the, well, but Herbie said that Georgia should be in the top four. But I think if Georgia or let's say uh, Oklahoma had lost, right, and Oklahoma's out of playoff contention. I doubt Georgia makes the playoff even then, even though they showed up in number five in this poll. I think Georgia would have been fifth either way. Because what the committee was trying to do here, and I can can tell what they're trying to do. The committee's trying to send a message to say, look, we're good people. We think quality losses are quality losses too. Like, we don't just look at the win-loss record. We look at who you lost to. Right, guys? Right? Um, but I doubt anyone actually had Georgia in their top four. If they did, maybe it was like maybe one or two committee members' tops because you're not putting a two-loss team in the championship unless it's like uh, there was that Auburn team from last year, uh, which Georgia kind of reminded me of, actually. Um, But the committee is trying to say that, like, bad losses mean a lot because Ohio State's one loss was a blowout loss to an unranked, uh, I think, seven-win team Purdue this year, maybe six-win team. So the committee's trying to say, look, they're trying to send a message while also saying, uh, no, we're putting this team in that went 12-1, and beat the only team that they lost to, and that's that, and very non-controversial pick. So I think last year in this episode, this uh, post-CFP show episode, uh, I did a preview of the semifinals, but I think I'm going to save these for... Tuesday, or whenever the next episode comes out, Um, because this episode's already pretty full, plus let's save some content for uh, Tuesday, so so I can get some some good stuff for you. Okay, second topic, uh, a weird one, or not a weird one, an important one, but one that we don't, or that we're seeing a little too often, uh, Kareem Hunt, the Kareem Hunt situation. He was released uh, last Friday, two Fridays ago now. TMZ released a video of Kareem Hunt shoving and kicking a 19-year-old woman at a Cleveland hotel. The incident occurred in February of this year. Um, TMZ really played this up, and it was worth playing up. Um, It wasn't the same brutalization that they said, but he did shove very vigorously, and he kicked her while she was on the ground, which uh, was probably the Thing that most people remember, and the thing that I remember most from it um, is kicking someone when they're down near the head, too. So, Cream Hunt was put on the commissioner's exempt list, which meant that he's not allowed to practice or play in games. And I guess the first thing I'll say, which is kind of a uh, non secular, but it always amazes me how TMZ gets their hands on this footage. Before the NFL does. I get that they have different incentives. I get that TMZ is an investigative, uh, even though they're kind of sketchy paparazzi types, they're still, they're they're investigative journalism to some extent. And the NFL wants to, at least I would imagine from the, you know, greedy person, they would want to protect their star asset. But come on, man. The NFL is like billions and billions of dollars worth, right? And they have the brand recognition, and I'm sure they could get their hands on whatever they wanted to. Um, the investigative wing needs to improve, and um, they say the the NFL says that this investigation has been ongoing since it was first this incident was first reported in February. But whether this is the media's fault or the NFL's fault, it was definitely swept under the rug. I mean, if there was investigation really going on, you would think that in what nine, ten months. They would be able to get their hands on this video and they would have done more research and talked to more witnesses and believe some of the witnesses if they corroborated each other. But the NFL really needs to work on that. As far as the league in general, I mean, uh, Kareem Hunt really act, did not say anything of meaning in an interview that he requested. Uh, with ESPN he just said I'm sorry uh, I shouldn't have let this happen the same old stuff but it's not like he he really owned up to it he didn't say in detail what happened he didn't try to explain the rationale in any meaningful sense Uh, and and the league is, is kind of the same thing as they do the same thing every time it's like you know we respect women we are committed to looking out for women we are trying to punish people who commit domestic violence. But at the end of the day, I mean, most of these guys just get a slap on the wrist and they're back, and it's not really something that is prevalent. I mean, in in the NFL, there's a whole month dedicated to breast cancer awareness, but there's no promos, there's no uh, show, sh- shoots with athletes saying things like, you know, we support, we believe women, uh, and things of that nature. And that's what the league has to try to do is to actually bring awareness to this because it is a problem in their league, even if it's a societal issue, even if it's something that's sent into these men before they enter the National Football League. It's still something that happens under their watch. And as such, the blame shifts on to them, regardless of if they want it to or not. The Chiefs appear to be one of the only players that's leaving the situation relatively unscathed as far as the the off-of-the-field goes. Um, They claim to release him because of him lying about what he did during this incident. I think they were willing, given his star power and his age, being only 23, they were willing to look past this a little bit. Um, If he did what he told them he did at the time which was very little um, but because he lied to them and, and because of what he did they released him and i think maybe it's been an unpopular opinion but i think that was a fair way to treat it i mean is the team expected him to not give him the benefit of the doubt if they don't have the video evidence if they don't have uh, the, the concrete details and i think that's what the chiefs decided to do here so, I don't know if Kareem Hunt is going to have a future in the league. I think he will, given he's so young. I mean, Ray Rice is the obviously analogous situation of this with domestic violence and having it on tape and everything. But Ray Rice was on the decline, and he wasn't going to be a superstar the way that Kareem Hunt is still going to be a superstar. And with a league that still contains guys like Reuben Foster... Uh, who committed an act of domestic violence and was recently picked up by the Washington Redskins. The NFL teams, as long as there's talent, they have a place for them on their roster. And the other thing is, the NFL really has, I just wrote this down and I kind of forgot about it, but I'll bring it up. Unless there's strong public evidence and strong public opinion, the NFL has very little care for these types of things. And I guess that's not really a, a surprise, but it should be. And on that note, we transfer into the NFL from last week. Uh, we're moving toward the playoffs. We're f- four weeks away. And this may seem a little old, but I think there are some things we can really take from this game. The Chiefs beat or these games. The Chiefs beat the Raiders 40 to 30, and we got some answers about the Kansas City Chiefs without Kareem Hunt. I haven't crunched the numbers yet for this week, but for last week, they, they had a running back by committee with Spencer Ware getting 14 carries, but not a consistent string of like three down back type deals like Hunt. Um, and the offense, I think, will be fine. Travis Kelsey had a big game, and he had a big game as well this week. Chris Conley had a big game. Tyreek Hill almost had some big receptions, although his production, I think, will take a hit without Hunt. And Mahomes did miss some deep throws in that game, but that's to be expected. He's still a rookie, and he's going to have chances later on. The Cowboys beat the Saints on Thursday Night Football 13-10, to which is now a week and a half ago. Um, I don't think anyone saw this coming, and the Saints' defense struggled this week against Tampa Bay as well. The Cowboys' defense put up a phenomenal performance, uh, with no Saints running back having more than 36 yards rushing, which was Alvin Kamara, and no Saints wideout having more than 40 yards rushing receiving. Michael Thomas did, um, and they, they stopped the hottest team in football at the time, put them to 10 and 2, because uh, the Saints came into this game with all the momentum in the world, uh, winning 10 straight games, and their offense looking unstoppable with the amount of weaponry that they had. But the Cowboys, uh, at that point, have won four games in a row and sat atop the division. Um, and they have, they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And then Indianapolis will be a tough game, but it's one that they can win. I mean, the Colts put up zero points against Jacksonville two weeks ago. Um, and the Cowboys offense is, or defense, is really good, as we saw in this game. Uh, Leighton Bandrash is really coming into his own this year. And then Tampa Bay, the Bucks followed by the New York Giants. So this could go either way. I mean, both of all of those teams have games where they're hot, have games where they can blow out or can stand up to teams like the Saints. But the Giants were horrible to start the year. Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston has horrible games and good games. And Indianapolis, same thing. So the Cowboys have winnable games left, and they can really take control of this division if they're able to keep this type of performance up. Chargers beat the Steelers 33-30 to on Sunday Night Football. Chargers came back from down 23-7 to at the half thanks to the resiliency of Phillip Rivers. Uh, for, for a man his age with nine kids, eight kids and one on the way, he really has a lot of energy, and that's invigorating for a young team because Phillip Rivers has been through quite a bit. I mean, there were times when this team looked really bad. They started last year 0-4, but came back. Won a bunch of games last year, and now this year, they're 9-3, and three and looking pretty good. And this game put them on the map a little bit, because this was their first primetime game of the year, and kind of similar to the Texans, a lot of people had heard about this Chargers team, but hadn't seen them at all play, and you get a sense now for how they play. It's Phillip Rivers, and just some running backs, because Melvin Gordon's hurt, so they're kind of kind of rotating chairs a little bit, but they've got a game against the chiefs in two weeks, which is going to be a marquee matchup because you've got two great or good offenses and one that's very, very historically great in the chiefs uh, fighting for that playoff spot or for that division crown. The Eagles beat the Redskins. Tw- oh yeah. And by the way, if I sound a little tired it's this, cause I am, cause I was up for 18 hours yesterday, but I'm still got the, uh, Sports takes in the business. Eagles beat the Redskins 28-13. to 13. Unfortunate for uh, Colt McCoy, who got hurt during this game. Because it's probably, I mean, it's one of his last chances to play in the NFL. I mean, he's getting up there in age. And a similar guy actually came in, Mark Sanchez, who is on his trailing days in the NFL and been on kind of hopping team to team. Um, but the Eagles got back in it. At 500, and they're playing Dallas. I believe as I speak. Let me, let me just uh, grab the score for you real quick. Even though this is no longer current, uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles tied at nine in the fourth quarter. So it's it's going to be that that is an exciting game, and it, it it it's been tough for the Eagles. The Cowboys defense has played well against them, but it stands to see who wins. At least from my point of view. And the Cardinals beat the Packers 20-17, to but the real story coming out of this one was the Packers releasing Mike McCarthy very shortly after this game, which was an interesting decision now that the playoffs are, are out of reach for the Packers because if you make this type of decision, you've got to make it either at the end of the year when you have a chance to recycle, Mike McCarthy's been able to get his last send-off because everyone knows a firing is coming, um, and all the sentimental stuff. Versus if you release him when the playoffs are still within reach, that's also okay because now you know, okay, so we might have a chance. We need to actually get a new fresh group in so that we have time to get acclimated to the system and everything before the playoffs. But now that the playoffs are out of reach, I mean, this was just a firing for no reason. Um, And I don't like the decision Um, because it's just not good from Rao. And it serves no real practical purpose. I mean, unless they're really convinced Joe Philbin, the acting head coach, is going to be the head coach for the rest of time, uh, or for, for for next year as well. I don't see where this was a smart move for Green Bay. All right, no quick take today because it's uh, Football Sunday, and that's what all the quick takes would be about. So um, that's going to wrap up our little shortened show. I think we're going to have two a little bit shorter shows in a row. But thank you so much for listening, as always. I'm tired, but it's all right. We're fighting through, as Scott Van Pelt says. I'm not tired yet. least slash the long takes, patreon.com slash the long takes, the Monk takes at gmail.com. Write and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Send questions, leave voicemails. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And I will love, I would love to see you in a few days, or as I like to call it, next week.